This week's podcast brought to you by the Security Checkpoint E at DFW Airport. Most of our communication with each other is about schedules and which kid needs to get where, when. But since we started this podcast, we have a a new sentence that we'd never uttered before. And anytime I'll start telling you a story or something that happened that has nothing to do with where our kids have to be, your response is, save it for the podcast. So for people who might be listening, some of these things that we talk about, we haven't shared with one another yet, because if one of us starts talking about a story or saying something that we think is interesting, the other one just responds, save it for the podcast. It's all pod fodder. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. People often say how, you know, an apple doesn't fall far from the tree when they're talking about kids and their parents. But it's interesting to me because you and I are very different trees. And our kids, four of them, their personalities are very different, but in a lot of ways mirror one or of or the other of us. And the other night, I think this, yeah, you were gone, you were out of town, and I made the kids dinner. And after dinner, our 13-year-old, who has fallen not far from your tree, said she had some scraps of food left on her plate. And she said, is it okay if I just put these in Jesse's dish? And Jesse's our dog. So I said, of course. This We do this on occasion. Our 11-year-old will go over and, you know, just put put the scraps in the dish and bring her di- her plate back over to the the kitchen sink. So I told our daughter, yes, you know, you can put the scraps in. She, so she did that, disappeared upstairs. And all of a sudden, our, our 11-year-old, a few minutes later, as I'm cleaning up and doing dishes, said, Mom, look. And I look over, and the dog dish was sitting there. And on top of it was perched our daughter's plate with her food still on it. So she didn't push the scraps of food into the dish. She just took her plate and sat it on top of the dish and just thought that was okay. And that is such a thing that you would do. And it made me think of when the story you told me years ago about, I don't remember, I have no idea how old you were, but you were supposed to pick up your parents from the Minneapolis airport after they'd gotten back from vacation. Well, first of all, if she really isn't far from my tree, did she leave the fork on the plate? <laughs> No, she didn't leave the fork. And if we're going to extend this tree metaphor, I think, you know, Barbara Walters famously asked or is said to have asked, you know, what if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I think I would be the giving tree. Uh, I'm just a stump with a heart carved into it at this point. <laughs> oh, good heavens. But, um, oh, the, the picking my parents up at the airport. I didn't get my driver's license when I turned 16 like all my siblings and my friends did. My siblings had taken the car out for joy rides when they were 14. I never did that. In fact, when the I may have said this before, but when the driving instructor pulled into our driveway for my first driving lesson, he asked, how many times have you driven? And I said, I've never driven. And he just face palmed himself. It's like, I've got another one of these guys who's actually never driven. So I didn't ask to get my license when I turned 16. And when I was about 16 and a half, my mom said, when are you going to get your driver's license? 
I was in no hurry to get it. I was not eager to drive. And, um, and so when I, after, sometime after I got my license, I was probably 17, my parents went out of town and asked me to pick them up at the airport. What were they thinking? I don't know. So I drove to Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. I was able to find my way there. And they were waiting for me at the curb at, at arrivals, but I was afraid to pull up to the curb because the airport police were there shooing cars away. So I passed them and they would wave to me and I'd zoom by. But you didn't even see them, right? Well, I don't recall seeing them, but they saw me. <laughs> And each lap was about another <laughs> added about another fifteen minutes to, How the, many to their trip. How times did you zoom past them? Uh, several, <laughs> according to them. But they they would tell this tr- this story many times over the years, and each time they would tell it as if it were a funny story. But they were not laughing when well, they I got in the see car. Your dad being furious. They, they were in fact furious. I think they had been overseas, and I mean, and their their twelve hour journey home lasted another forty five minutes because they had me pick them up. I can just imagine that. You know, they're they're tired, they're jet lagged, they just want to get home. And I could see our oldest doing that to us, and except that I would just call an Uber while she was circling well, the airport funny so enough, I could get home sooner. I was in Minneapolis this weekend, and I had to get an Uber to the airport early, very early Saturday morning. And my Uber driver didn't know how to get to the airport, even though, as he told me, he had been to the airport twice already that morning. And uh, so when we were getting on the Crosstown, in Minneapolis, he said to me, do I go east or west on the crosstown to the airport? And, you know, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. I then told him, you go east on the crosstown to get to the airport. And I felt Was like... Was that correct? It is correct. I mean, I, I don't know much, but I know that the airport was east of where I was. And, uh, and I did spend, you know, my entire childhood there. The uh, this also made me think of the our children and and our thirteen year old is is definitely has more um, personality traits of yours. She she's she's you know you're a little you're a little girl, um, and our eleven year old is I think a little bit more like me. And, and this morning our kids had a two hour snow delay, so at one point our thirteen year old came downstairs and said to her younger sister, "Can you make me some pancakes?" <laughs> And to which our 11-year-old said, yeah, I'll make some pancakes. And uh, so she did. So our 11-year-old, I helped a little bit, but um, but she pretty much made the family their, their breakfast. And it, it, it got me thinking, a couple days ago, I was making eggs for breakfast. Our son eats, uh, he's only nine, but he eats like a man, and he'll have six scrambled eggs for breakfast. So anyway, I asked... But he, he eats like a man of the 1940s. Right, right. Eggs and bacon and hearty, hearty breakfast. And so I said to you, you know, I was just kind of canvassing the family. Who would like eggs? So I would just know how many to scramble. And, and, and our son wanted eggs and you wanted eggs. And, uh, and I was making some for myself. And, and so I'm getting breakfast ready. And finally, the eggs are done. I've, you know, helped get the kids dressed, helped make their beds, done all this, made, made the breakfast. And I said to you, I'd already put some on my plate. And I'd said to you, uh, the eggs are ready. And you went and sat down at the kitchen table. And I said to you, you can help yourself. <laughs> like, I was done at that point. I had gotten all the kids their breakfast. The eggs have been cooked and ready. You can not just sit down and wait for them to be delivered to you. You can, uh, you can put them on your plate yourself. And it just made me think of our 13-year-old saying to our 11-year-old, can you make me pancakes for breakfast? I actually sat down at the dog dish waiting for my eggs to be delivered <laughs> there. Um, and, and you didn't eat them with a fork. No. Um, well, we, we saw an interesting situation this past week. We've talked a lot about youth sports. And um, in a middle school girls basketball game, I saw something that I've never seen before. And I was coaching our, our girls team. 
And at one point, it was a heated game. It was in a tiny gym. It was a physical game. Uh, I didn't think that the kids were dirty on either team, but it was heated. And uh, and the officials were not awesome. But that you have to come to expect that when, when you're at a middle school basketball game. And, but at one point, all of a sudden, the official stops the game. This is in, I think, the fourth quarter. And he points and says, you in the red sweatshirt, you got to get out of here. And my favorite part of this was that you, Steve, were wearing a red sweatshirt. <laughs> but and since, sitting directly in front of the guy. Right. So some of the parents thought that I had just gotten tossed from the game. Mm-hmm. When in fact, I don't say you don't a say word a during word. the games. No. Yeah, you this don't guy s- had, had profanely maligned the refs. I sit there chain-chewing Nicorette during the games because it's so <laughs> nerve-wracking, but I make sure never to say anything to anybody. You don't say a word. And uh, and so, and then there's a, a bit of a standoff because the guy won't leave. And so I call our team over. We're on the opposite side of the floor. And, and one of the kids with tears in her eyes says, I'm scared. I said, well, don't be scared. You know, you, your parents are here. We're here. Nothing's going to happen to you. But it was a it was an uncomfortable situation for everyone in there. And it wasn't until the official said, put a minute on the scoreboard. And if you're, he said to the parent, if you're not gone in the next minute, the team's going to forfeit the game and we're going to have to call the police. And, and so the guy did leave. But, but uh, all the more reason for us to get a portable scoreboard of the kind that they put on the table there. <laughs> and think of any situation where you want somebody to leave. If you, I'm going to put a minute on the scoreboard. And if you haven't left in the minute, we're going to call the police. And nobody wants to hear that shrill buzzer go right. off. I would leave just to not have to hear that. And the scoreboard that you're talking about, which we've talked about on the previous podcast, is about the size of a boombox. And it's not very heavy, so you probably could carry it like that. You just have to find somewhere to plug it in, and it would uh, it would be portable. But uh, you were talking to, to one of our parents, who is a very low-key parent at the game, and he was saying how you know he was watching one of his kids play in a varsity game, and he was you know getting worked up. And he at least had the self-awareness to say, you know, I think after he cheered when, well, a, when a kid... He, he caught himself wildly cheering a girl on the other team fouling out. And he leaped out of the bleacher seat and said, yeah! And then kind of caught himself in mid-sentence, tried to grab for the cartoon speech bubble and take it back. And then sat down and said, what am I doing? I'm <laughs> applauding a 14-year-old girl fouling out. And it's like it's at, at some age, and I don't know what age that is, Parents, adults applaud missed free throws from the other team. Right. We're certainly not at that age yet where if somebody applauds a missed free throw by an opponent in eighth grade, they're a pariah. But at some point, I don't know what that age is, people start cheering against the kids right. on the other team. It's certainly right. by college and certainly by high school. Well, th- this this past week there was a women's college game, Missouri playing at South Carolina, and that's become a really heated rivalry. And it gets very physical when those two teams play. And a really talented player for for Missouri, Sophie Cunningham, every time she touched the ball from the opening tip, the entire arena, which at South Carolina they lead the nation in in attendance, is probably 16,000 or more. Every time she touched the ball in that game, people were booing. So uh, I guess if you're an elite player, you have to sort of get used to that. Our, Our oldest, our eighth grader, was playing in a game this past weekend and uh, she came over to me and said, I set a screen on the girl and she elbowed me in the gut and said, I don't do screens. And so my only response to her as her mother and her coach was, elbow her back in the gut and you can say, well, I do, or you cannot say anything. But if a kid's going to intentionally elbow you in the gut, I mean, don't let the ref see, but you got to elbow him back. <laughs> so... 
<laughs> these are the these are the awesome life lessons that were I'm trying to teach the apple that's fallen close to your tree. It's interesting because there's that famous phrase, I don't do windows, but <laughs> I don't do screens. I mean, or I don't do window screens. Exactly. It, it, all, uh, it all comes together. Well, again, to, to, to continue this analogy, um, I had to bring in our, our minivan to get checked for the past week the tire pressure light kept coming on. I would go to the gas station and fill fill the tire with air just to buy time until I had a chance to go and, and bring it to may, the dealership. May I just interject? In, situationally, it's your minivan. When when I need it for some large, to carry some large thing, I need to ask to borrow your minivan. But when there's a problem that requires taking it into the dealer for a three-hour wait, it's suddenly our minivan, and which one of us is going to take it in? Well, in, in fairness... The minivan is generally the car that I drive. Your your car is the one you drive. And I I think 98% of the time take the minivan in to get its service. So I brought it in because when I told you I, I had made the appointment, you certainly didn't offer to be the one to take it in. So I brought it in. And it's just a whole uncomfortable experience for somebody like me who doesn't know anything about cars. That's everybody. Of course. The, the people who know something about cars aren't taking it into the dealer. Right. And and yeah, so I take it to the dealer. All I really want you to tell me is what does it what do you need to do to fix it? How much is it going to cost and how much time is it going to take? I don't need any other information. So I go in, I sit down, I tell the guy and he said, "All right, we'll we'll take it back and um and we'll look at it." He said, "You know, your your oil is at 50%. Do you also want to get that done while you're here?" And I was thinking, you have no idea how I roll because I wait for that oil change light to be on for a good what month before I actually do take it in. So I said, no, I, I, you know, how how, I actually asked him, how long will that take? That'll add an extra half hour. No, I'm not going to do that. At least you understand that question, because oftentimes it's, would you like me to rotate your filters and fan your (laughs) cylinders while I'm here? And I'm like, sure. Does this have anything to do with the car? (laughs) What, what, what? I don't know what that means. You know, I don't know what that means. So just do whatever you're going to do. Bill me twice (laughs) what it costs and let's all get the hell out of here. I think only in your fantasy world would somebody ask if they can fan your cylinders. (laughs) But okay. So I go and I sit in a different part and I I take out my iPad and I've downloaded some games I'm going to watch that I need to do for work and I'm sitting there watching and it's been 45 minutes and the guy comes over and he says uh he says oh okay I've got some answers for you so I just look at him like all right give me my answers but instead he beckons me back and they had nothing to do with the car they were just like the G and C the number yes. 17 it <laughs> yes. was like Karnak but anyway go ahead you so, had to divine the questions as on Jeopardy so I take my earbuds out because you know I'm in a waiting area I don't want to have anyone else listen to these games I'm watching I pack up my bag I go sit down he said okay the there's a nail in the tire and it's in the side wall so we can't patch it so you need a new tire he said and when you get a new tire your tread is at this much this is one of the front tires so you really should get two and your rear tread is at this much so you could also get all four and they also always make you feel bad about not doing proper maintenance have you right. been measuring your tread right. on, a, on a month you really should <laughs> yeah. measure these after each drive so my question is okay how much is that going to cost okay now how long is this going to take and he said well just to do the front two tires it'll take 45 minutes to do all of them will take an hour and 15. And I said, oh, right before, and, and then he said, why? Is there somewhere you need to be? And what I wanted to say but didn't was, yes, anywhere but here. 
the last thing I want to be doing on uh, like my only morning off in the week is to be sitting here for two and a half, three hours. So they didn't have a loaner car, whatever. So I just got the front two tires. And I have to say thank you to everyone on Twitter because I posted on there. I have no idea what this person's talking about. I have no idea. I'm completely at the mercy of the guy telling me what needs to happen. And of course, this is the, the car we drive our kids around in. So it has to be safe. So thank you to all the people on Twitter who responded and said, yes, indeed, if the nail is in the sidewall, it can't be patched. And if you get one new front tire, you should get two. So I, I know those things, but it, it brings me back to the apple far from the tree. My father always, when I was a kid and still to this day, will only take his car to a certain garage, Humphrey's Garage in Granville, Mass., It's the only place he'll go. And it doesn't matter if something breaks down on the car 45 or 50 minutes away. He's only going to take it to Doug at Humphreys. And I kind of understand why. If if you come to trust somebody because you're completely at their mercy in this situation, you have to trust. If you trust somebody, say, okay, this is actually what I need. And um, so I haven't found my Doug yet, but uh, I'll keep looking for him. But have you found your Humphrey? (laughs) <laughs> I was looking for my Humphrey the other day. I, I've, I haven't found my Doug, and I've lost my Humphrey. Um, the, my, we trust the people that we, we bring our car to, but my two favorite things about it are the the waiting room, where the TV is at volume 27 showing Dr. Oz and you know the Steve Harvey show, and it, you can't escape the you can't escape it. The other thing is when they come to give you the good news, the bad news, the diagnosis, they withdraw you to a private consultation room. As if they're a doctor. Yeah, yeah. You know, nobody can overhear this. Speak in hushed tones. Yeah. Yeah. It it would be a HIPAA violation, some automotive HIPAA violation if the guy next to you overheard that there was a nail in the sidewall. And that's what happened to me with with this guy twice, and and it was just serving to get on my nerves because then I had to keep packing up my bag to bring it to his office to realize that I was indeed stuck there for 30 or 45 more minutes and then go back to my seat after hearing this, you know, life-changing news that I indeed did need two new tires. Just give it to me straight, Doc. (laughs) You're going to need a new wiper blade. (laughs) So from ground travel to air travel, my trip this past week to Wake Off went out Waco, My trip this past week to Waco went off without a hitch. I flew to Dallas and then drove from Dallas to Waco. But when I got on the plane, there's actually a direct flight from Hartford to Dallas. I got on and I was fortunate to be in in first class. And I look and of course I was seated next to the woman with the with the little dog. What are those like support dog or whatever? Support um, animal. Yeah, support animal. So I sat next to her and it was this little tiny thing. I don't know if it weighed a couple of pounds. So she held it, kind of stroking it on takeoff. She was, it was clearly there to help ease her tension about flying. And then she would put it in one of those little dog suitcases and put it under the, the seat. And the dog was terrific. At one point, it barely made little um, yelps. And when it did, she, I, she just started shushing it like, shh, shh, as it's, in a suitcase under the seat. And I'm thinking, what, what do you expect this little thing to do on this four-hour flight to not make any yelps? But it was great. And then I got to the airport and Holly Rowe met me there and we were going to 
share a car to Waco. It's a little over an hour and a half drive. And so I'd gotten a car service and I, Holly was already in the car, which was great because the, the driver was holding an electronic, you know, computerized sign. Like they don't write your name anymore, just on a card. It's, you know, typed into this electronic thing. And it was Rebecca Loco Russian. So Rebecca Loco Russian and Holly uh, <laughs> crazy row drove together to uh to waco texas i like it. it's like the doritos loco taco the car service did it have like one of those little cut crystal glasses in the back and, and, and a snifter of some sort of blue no i wasn't in a 1980s limousine i, I was always it was backlit by but, some kind of disco lighting but what they still do he had waters and he was very proud that the waters were cold and they always have in the cup holder the little candies like the butterscotch candies right. or the Werther's or whatever. And so he had those in the cold water. And but, a box of Kleenex. And, yeah, right. Because the three things you need are like a gin, a nose blowing, and something, some candy to suck on. Yeah. All I needed was Holly Rowe. We had a really fun time well, laughing a lot driving from Dallas I, to Waco. I flew twice this weekend out on Friday, back on Saturday, on two very early morning flights on Friday and Saturday. And, and I was struck, as I am whenever I have early morning flights, on weekdays, weekends, of how many, not just day drinkers there are out there, but early morning, oh, yes. first thing, yep. 6.30 a.m., hit the bottle. Something about air travel. I know some people are anxious flyers, but I think most of these people sucking on an airline bottle of Bombay Sapphire gin at 8 in the morning, their anxieties have have long since dissipated. It's like spring break in college. Spring break in college, even though I never had one because we were always practicing getting ready for the NCAA tournament, but spring break in college and air travel is it's it's okay to be a day drinker it's or like, a morning drinker or an any time of of the hour drinker. It's like a lawless border region or, or international waters where you can have a casino boat in the airport or on the plane. You know, get off the plane at, at 10 o'clock in the morning. People are sitting at the bar there on Friday, tossing back 20-ounce beers. And and if I've been upgraded to first class, it's like the boo, they're offering me booze and it's free. So I, it would be rude if, rude if I didn't have some. I'm, I'm not saying that's me. I don't drink on planes. But other people, I, I, I get the feeling that that's that's their feeling. And guy across the aisle from me on Saturday morning had his blue bottle of Bombay Sapphire. Lady in front of me was tossing back a Bloody Mary, and uh, I felt like a, a terrible prude drinking ice water at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. One of the, I don't have any idea why I'm thinking of this, but one of my favorite things, because I think it's the only time I've ever seen it on a plane, was I was flying to a golf tournament. Or no, I think it was a Jimmy V tournament. This was golf tournament years and years ago, uh, like a celebrity thing. And I happened to be on the same flight as Christian Leitner. Uh, We've actually talked about Christian Leitner in this podcast before. Yes. And was across the aisle from him. And it just struck me as so interesting when, when the flight attendant came around and people were ordering their gin and tonics or their whatever. And Christian Leitner ordered a glass of milk. That's something you don't see very often on an airplane is somebody ordering a glass of milk. A glass of milk and a bottle of Bombay Sapphire gin. <laughs> yes, he did not have the Bombay Sapphire. Well, you know what? When I was in Minneapolis, I, I did a book event there. And in the signing line, and you get, I love it because people, you know, you say, who should I sign this to? And, and, and they'll say, it's uh, it's to Matt. And you'll sign to Matt. And they'll say, no, it was Matt with one T. And you get every possible. So I even if it, the guy's name is Joe, I ask, how do you spell it? It's not J-O, it's J-O-E. 
but there's a guy in line smoking a cigar, drinking a beer. This was a this was a men's club event that had cigars and and people were drinking beer and um, including in the signing line. And uh, the guy came up and I said, "Who should I sign this to?" And he said, "Me." And I said, "And who would that be?" And he looked at me like I was nuts and said, "Fireball." <laughs> and then his buddy standing next to him said, "Like the cinnamon whiskey." And I I looked up and said. So I gathered. Well, I love that you spoke at a men's club event because, of course, at a men's club event, you said you'd never seen, you know, so many kegs in one place. All these guys are drinking their cigars. I mean, smoking their cigars. I think some guys were drinking their cigars <laughs> and a few were smoking their beers. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very weird late uh, scene. Well, I'm just thinking, like, if there was a women's club event, you know, just how different it would be. Sure, women would be probably, it would be a lot more wine than beer. I don't know that they'd be smoking anything. I'd, um, say, I'd say to the woman, what's your name? And she'd say, Malibu rum. Right. <laughs> well, lemon ball. Right. But uh, but yeah, just the whole notion of the men's club event and you have to come out of there smelling like beer and cigars or else you're not a real man. It, it had with the name of Fireball, then it had what's been, wrong with it you? It had been years since I came out of a place just reeking of smoke. The night we met, at, at the Dublin house in, in Manhattan, I came out of there reeking of smoke, but you could no longer smoke in, in New York bars and most places. It's so nice. The only, because it used to be in college or wherever, you'd come back and even if you did not wear your sweatshirt or your jacket for very long, no stains on it, no other reason to launder it, you had to wash it because you reeked of cigarette smoke. The only time we experience something like that now is if one of our neighbors has a bonfire and we go and you come home reeking of at least firewood smoke. But you, 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 uh, I don't miss those days well, one bit. I, it gave me one hit of nostalgia and I, I liked it. So as a result, I, I only packed, you know, I packed the one winter coat that I had and, and I think I wore the same pair of pants there and back when flying out. I was only there for 22 hours. So as a result, I, I was reeking like cured meat on the flight back. And, and it occurs to me now that I, I wonder if I offended the sensibilities of the of the of the guy drinking the gin and the lady right. drinking the Bloody Mary right. on either side of me. They, they, they listen least... to this degenerate. It's been smoking cigars all night. All I'm doing is tossing back a few alcoholic beverages at, at before breakfast. Well, since we live in a cold climate, at least both of us have plenty of experience in the last month wearing our own winter coats. We have a friend who lives in L.A. who had to pack a winter coat recently. Well, my friend Sam Farmer from the L.A. Times arrived at the Super Bowl and sent me a text. And it's, you know, it's going to be five degrees there on Sunday and said, how's my trip going so far? The the puffy coat that I packed belongs to my 5-1 wife, Paige. <laughs> so I imagine Sam had to buy a coat in Minnesota, but that's a good place to have to buy a winter coat. And he lives in Los Angeles. He doesn't really need it. Well, if not, I, would, I, I prefer to think that he's wearing the coat of his 5-1 wife and he's going to return to LA with it smelling like cigars, beer, and whatever else, BO, that, that you find at the Super Bowl. But back to air, airline travel. So when I was returning from Texas to Connecticut, I had a 6 a.m. flight out of Dallas. So it was 5.15, 5.30 in the morning, and I'm sitting at my gate and I'm just loving the announcements that are coming over the PA. And it started with this announcement. Would the passenger who left a man's wedding band please return to the security checkpoint E to reclaim? Now, first of all, you don't need to take off your wedding band when you're going through security. So if this guy took off his wedding band, it's because he's looking for an excuse. So when he gets home to tell his wife why he lost his wedding band. 
Why would anyone take off a wedding band uh, uh, at security checkpoint E? I take my off my wedding band when I go on the road, but you usually do that before I get to the <laughs> right, airport. Exactly. You don't leave it in the plastic bin. So I was just sitting at the gate. And then a few minutes later, the same voice comes over with the passenger who left a credit card return to the security checkpoint E to reclaim. So I'm thinking again, how does a credit card, why would you put a credit card anywhere? It can just stay in your pocket. Perhaps it fell out of someone's wallet. But this one was the one that I really liked. It was the final one. With the passenger who left a tripod <laughs> returned to the security checkpoint E to reclaim. So I'm assuming a, a cameraman. I'm guessing it's a tripod for a camera. I don't know what else you use a tripod for, but... Do you remember we were in Tampa a couple of years ago? I don't know even know if we talked about this on the show, but we had gone through security. We got into the gate, and they announced, with the passenger who left his or her crutches at security, please come back to reclaim them. And I thought, what that, that, that guy just wants to board early, obviously. Either that or a miracle was performed at, at TSA. Speaking of boarding early, I'm in line to get on the plane in Dallas, and uh, I'm premium on Delta because I, I pretty much fly exclusively on Delta. And a guy in line says, uh, as he's trying to fight his way to board, and when they just start boarding, he, he's looking around and he said, are you premium or are you sky? Are you premium or are you sky? Because if you're only sky, you better let premium go first. But, uh, but anyway, back to security checkpoint E. I, you know, I heard all these announcements being made before 6 a.m. I want to return to security checkpoint E at DFW Airport in the evening and just take a peek at their lost and found because there's just got to be some really interesting items that are that are housed in it. That makes me think. Uh, several years ago for Sports Illustrated, I did a story on roller coasters where I, I took the world's steepest roller coaster at the base of Mount Fuji in Japan. I rode a dozen roller coasters in a day at Cedar Point in Ohio. I went to Kennywood outside of Pittsburgh, and I went to the Lost and Found at Kennywood outside of Pittsburgh. And the stuff that people lose at amusement parks, particularly that falls off of them on roller coasters, not just baseball hats and sunglasses, but at Cedar Point, they collected $12,000 in loose change that they gave to charity that was shaking out of people's pockets. False limbs, false eyes, dentures, wigs, toupees, uh, anything you can think of that can fall off a human body falls off of people and gets taken to the lost and pound, either because they're too ashamed to reclaim their toupee or because it's in that fenced-in area under the roller coaster. So as That's interesting as DFW, the lost and found at the amusement park is equally fascinating. That's the photo I want to see. You know how roller coasters now, when you ride them, there's the one place along the way where they take the picture and everyone has those faces. <laughs> yes. If your hair is halfway off your head <laughs> in, 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 in flight and it's the last time you're going to see that particular wig of yours, oh, if, if anyone has a picture like that, please send it to us on ball, at Ball and Chain Pod on Twitter because that would be special. That may be why they don't reclaim them, because they're too embarrassed at that little photo kiosk to, to linger. They just want to get the hell out of there. And, and you would think that the prudent roller coaster rider would remove his toupee before boarding, just, just as it now makes me think when you're at a ball game and they ask, please rise and remove your hair. Gentlemen, remove your hair before. I think that should be the new etiquette surrounding the national anthem. Hand on your heart, remain standing. And remove your hair. Remove your if, hair. If whatever's hair. on your head is not growing out of it, baseball hat, a skull cap, a wig, or a toupee, it must come off or you're disrespecting our flag. <laughs> Please rise, gentlemen, remove your hair, and place your hair solemnly over your heart. <laughs> if you are a proud wig wearer 
or someone with a toupee top and you don't like us talking about these things, go ahead and send us a, an email at ballandchainpod at gmail.com or you can always send us something at, on Twitter at ballandchainpod. But uh, we've got quite a bit of your mail to discuss this week. I'm excited about it. We had quite a few come in to the Twitter, um, to our Twitter account, and then we finally realized uh, how to retrieve the, the mail from Gmail. So we have some to address there. But we, I'm were, start... we were like the Hawaii governor who didn't know his Twitter password. Right. That's why he couldn't <laughs> notify people that they weren't under nuclear attack. Is that true? That's why, yeah. For 38 minutes, Hawaii Hawaiians thought they were under nuclear attack because the governor didn't know, nor would I know, his, his Twitter password. I don't know mine, nor do I know the Hawaiian governor's. But Why would you need to know your Twitter password in order to That's tweet? what everybody was asking. Um, he was somehow, perhaps he doesn't tweet, I don't know. But uh, You're the, like, I, I use a stable of maybe four or five passwords for everything, so I can figure out what it is. You are the worst. You have a different, and I know well, this is what okay. you're supposed to do, but right. you have a different password for everything, which would be fine, except you don't remember them. And you lose the paper that you write it down on. So, I mean, I can't tell you how much time I have spent because you come in all frantic. I, I don't remember my password for this. I don't remember my password for that as if it's my problem. It's your problem. You, you need to get better at that. Carry on. Carry on. Okay. So this is from, um, well, I just love this Twitter handle. This is from Dorky Diva. And she was talking about our conversation about mowing the lawn last week. A lot of people got back to us about mowing the lawn, but um, she said that she's graduated to an electric mower. And you and I had a very brief experience. You had a brief relationship with a mower. Well, you also had a brief experience with an electric mower. We were on vacation and we were going to mow the backyard of the house where we were staying. And there was an electric mower there. And the grass, we didn't realize at the time, you can't use an electric mower on really thick and long grass. And the one time we used the mower, it started smoking and we burned it. We burned out the, the battery. You, you also needed a, a cord caddy, like like an old college football yeah, coach, Lou Holtz in with somebody yes. carrying the cord to your headset. You needed you needed the long extension cord. Yeah, I, and I was your cord caddy. The, the person who sent us the tweet, they said, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. I guess that was that's their dance We method. go together like opposites attract, <laughs> right. and you know. Right, exactly. So uh, so anyway, Dorky Diva, her, her lawnmower, her electric mower did not explode the first time she used it like ours did. Kevin Burkhart uh, said he would love to learn some of Steve's current reads and or faves of all time. So what are some of the current things that you're reading or some of your favorite all-time books? Uh, right now I'm reading a book by that's not out yet by Grant Wall, uh, Masters of Modern Soccer, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. Some of my favorite reads of all time. Grant Wall is a Sports, Sports Illustrated, Illustrated writer, soccer who, writer who's um, kind but, of the uh, soccer expert, but my, right? Uh, my favorite reads of all time, I mean, I, I we could be here all day. Probably should devote a segment to a show on this sometime, but uh, I love the Irish novelist Roddy Doyle. I just finished his latest novel called Smile, but my favorites of his... He's the guy who wrote The Commitments. My favorites of his are The Van, set in the 1990 World Cup in a fish and chips van in Dublin, and a book called Patty Clark Ha Ha Ha, which is a great evocation of, of childhood. It's, it's fiction. I could go on forever. I, I loved Larry McMurtry's Lonesome Dove. I recently finished, and it was kind of a, a quest just to complete it, uh, a novel called 1Q84, set in an alternative reality of 1984 by a Japanese novelist Haruki Murakami over a thousand pages. At the end of it, I sent it windmilling across the room in triumph because I had finished it. But um, but I enjoyed it. I just read um, 
a nonfiction book called Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran about uh, the murders of uh, Osage uh, Indians in, in Oklahoma in the 1920s. I could go on forever, but I won't. But uh, You could, and I'm still at the exact same place in Brooklyn that I was a week ago. I need to find more time. I need to, I need to make more time to, uh, to read for pleasure. I, I read a lot of newspaper articles, especially women's basketball stuff, but um, maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution. I don't make New Year's resolutions, but maybe that'll be it. I'm going to find and make more time to read for pleasure, but it won't be the $1,000 or the thousand page book that you are reading. Okay. So now SK told us to check out Progressive Insurance's Free Ride 2014. I'm guessing this is an ad campaign and we'll see a picture of an adult baby Bjorn. So you and I have to look up Progressive Insurance 2014 free ride. So if anyone else wants to see an adult baby Bjorn, I guess it wouldn't be an adult baby Bjorn. It would just be an adult Bjorn. Look there. Gail said, after listening to our podcast, she just disconnected disconnected and vacuumed her dryer vent because of the podcast. Now, we talked about this weeks ago. When is the last time you cleaned out our dryer vent. Well, I've certainly never vacuumed it because the thought of getting up on a stepladder to vacuum the dryer vent would be a, a rather that would frightening be regu- one. Pretty much impossible. But when was the last time you reached your arm in there and pulled it out? Our dryer's on the second floor, so it vents out on the second floor. Yeah, I, I reached my arm as far as it would go into the dryer vent. And I pulled it out and there was a ferret stuck to the end of it. <laughs> and uh, No, I, I just take out the exterior lint that's that's blowing on the outside of it all right so i've got to make sure that we're in a safe place there michael says he always does the hand clap when the theme music plays did you know that there was a hand clap in the theme music? like the fits in the tantrums hand yes, clap but but it's not like that but we do have a hand or, clap. Or, or like the friends theme i don't know which one it's more like but there is a little hand clap in in our in our song that your brother tom wrote and performed for us and Lauren and a bunch of other people, as I mentioned, talked about the joys of mowing the lawn. We had about the same amount of men and women send us responses, how much they enjoy mowing the lawn. They take pride in it being perfect. They enjoy, you know, kind of the solitude of of mowing the lawn. Would any so of these we're people, both missing out on would that any of these because people, of your allergies. Would any of these people enjoy mowing our lawn? <laughs> and if so, let's have a contest. You know what? I would enjoy mowing our lawn, I think. I just don't know that I would have the couple hours a week to devote to it. So now we're going to move on to some of the some of the viewer mail that we got as email. And again, if anybody wants to send us viewer mail via email, it's ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And this could be one of my favorites. And now we know how to access that. Am I correct? No, we still don't. Pro- Denny, our producer, Denny with one N, forwarded these emails to us. We still haven't figured out ourselves how to access it because we are the old parents who have zero idea of technology. No, I just need to get the password from Denny. I can tell you, if Hawaii is ever under nuclear attack, you want Denny Gallagher as your governor. You, you know you know the problem? You came up with the password with Denny, and so that's why I don't know it. If I had done set up this Gmail account, it would be one of my four passwords and we'd be all set. So anyway, this is from Gary Siegel. And Gary is a 60-year-old OBGYN. Gary Siegel, MD. A- a- Gary Siegel, MD. 60-year-old OBGYN with two married, successful adult children, and he puts, who need to reproduce. He's reading Stingray Afternoons. He accidentally left it on a chair at DCA yesterday, DCA Airport, while awaiting a flight back to Atlanta. Yes, your book, Stingray Afternoons, Steve's book that's out right now. And he said, I thus entertained myself on the way home by listening to this week's podcast. 
Well, here, why don't you go ahead and, since he's clearly your fan, and pick up with uh, with paragraph two. Uh, by the way, since I've purchased another copy, you'll be able to buy at least a couple more rat traps and some peanut butter of the grocery. This is what I, I don't like about the talk of the a couple of mice that we have have turned into a Having a rat, rat problem for us. We don't need rat traps, <laughs> Dr. Siegel, but thank you very much. As a child of the 60s and the youngest, I really do remember and likely wore turtleneck dickies. I suspect that I have a third or fourth grade school picture buried in a box that includes a picture documenting same. Dr. Siegel, if you have a picture of yourself in third grade wearing a dickie, by all means, send it to us at ballandchainpod at gmail. Uh, you did miss the fix-it gene, Steve, but the ones that you got work well enough. Having said that, you married over your head. Rebecca, like all working mothers, is a, quote, tank with lipstick. That is meant as an extreme compliment all right, to all women and especially hardworking mothers. Pause, pause, pause. A tank with lipstick. I see. Come, no, I, no, hold on. Coming from an OBGYN. I understand. What as he's I saying. am the mother of four children. Whom, Thank you. I, I, I do feel like a tank with lipstick. Whom you can't phase with anything, and she just keeps going along. I especially enjoy the fact that she cooks while you might have an app. I think this may have been twisted into an alternate reality where you're cooking while I'm napping. No, that was when we talked about okay. you setting the alarm for 235. That actually happened. But well done, Dr. Siegel. Mike Golick will be pleased to hear this. Uh, I'm trying to get friends and family to listen to the podcast. And as God is my witness, I am going to the attic right now in the garage to change the filters today. If nothing else, this podcast hopefully has gotten more people to change their air and filters. And clean their dryer vents and, and mow their lawn. And since, since Dr. Siegel thinks we have a rat problem, someone named Road King... <laughs> sent us a, a Gmail as well. And, the, and just let us know, for the mice, you can purchase an electronic deterrent. It emits a noise that humans and dogs can't hear. I bought one years ago through the Vermont Country Store. My once infested garage has been mouse-free since. I don't know how many square feet it covers. Good luck. Let's try one of those. You think it works? I... I... You emit a noise that I can't hear, so I'm sure <laughs> oh, that... Oh, uh... yes. It's called, it's called my voice. So... um. <laughs> But this absolutely is my favorite Gmail that we received. And this comes from someone who I may work with at ESPN, who may be one of my producers there, who I may refer to as D's. And he said he thinks, and he's producing our, our podcast now, too. He, he likes the podcast. He's he producing said, our podcast? He's, well, uh, as oh, okay. I'm about to explain. He likes it. He said he's going to suggest a segment. This is what he does when uh, I work with him in studio. He suggests seg segments. So it's only natural that he's a suggesting a segment on the podcast. So he's suggesting a segment each week where, you, where we hear from listeners who submit their own family moments, perhaps marital conflicts. And you and I, Steve, discuss it. He said perhaps we issue a ruling. Perhaps we just point out which position we find more supportable and why for instance and he said or i could just email you every week and you could send one back to my wife indicating that i am always right so this is his as he put in uh, all caps totally hypothetical this didn't actually happen and it certainly didn't happen yesterday <laughs> so uh he has a wife and they have two children both boys age 15 and 12 it's a snow day so Dees took his 12-year-old skiing. The two of them went to the mountain skiing. His son eventually went off and skied with his friends, and, and Dees and stayed and, and, and did his thing. And so he said in the meantime, he and his wife had been trying to get a clergy member, an appointment with a clergy member. So while he's out skiing, the, the clergy member said he could come over to their house. His wife made him aware of that. 
and uh, he stayed skiing a little bit longer with his son. So by the time he got home, his wife had been cleaning their house like crazy. The clergy person was going to be there in an hour, and his wife apparently was not thrilled with Deez's decision to to stay skiing instead of coming home to uh, to help clean. So he, he wants to know our feelings on well, who was right there and who was may wrong. May I offer my, render my verdict to Deez? Yes. And Mrs. Deez? If you were there an hour before the arrival of this clergy person, what's the problem? Uh, the only the two biggest events I can think of that require a clergy person, your wedding and your funeral, I didn't arrive an hour early to my own wedding, and I certainly don't need to get there an hour early for my own funeral. So what is wrong with arriving an hour in advance? Well, see, this is, you this, an hour is late. You were, this is how you were thinking. His wife wanted him home to help get the house ready. She needed help cleaning. So, he has an hour to get the house ready, so, unless he's leaving, living at... Uh, uh, unless he's a hoarder. Yeah, so this is how I see it. I prefer for you to be out of the house when I'm trying to clean because you're not a great help in that regard. So I would rather just have you out of the house instead of kind of in the way. Until so, until the rat traps are full and right. then you want me oh, there. Oh, then I need you there. I don't want you there. I need you there. So I, I'm I'm that's a point for D's. This is my other question, though. If the clergy member was coming over to do any kind of marriage therapy... Then he should have been home and doing whatever his wife wanted him to do. <laughs> well, whether the clergy person was there or not for marriage therapy, I have a feeling he or she was by the time Dee's got home. <laughs> right. By the time they met with the member of the clergy, it turned into that. So, uh, so yes, I like this idea, though. People should send us, if they have any kind of, we could be the... At the very least, it'll make be, us feel better about our own marriage. We could be the ball and chain ombudsman women. And uh, if anybody needs a ruling on buds on, people, on buds people, if anyone needs a ruling on their own, on their own conflict in their marriage, I've always wanted who to be better to to adjudicate it than you and I. I've always wanted to be. Me. I've always wanted to be an ombuds person. <laughs> I've got one more. I've got one more, and it was the person Rich Williams who he said I was listening last night to the podcast while on the rowing machine, but I also had an ESPN on the TV which was muted. And when he was watching the TV, I was on there doing a preview of, at the time, the Notre Dame-Louisville game. And so he said he was laughing because in his mind, he was pretending I was actually on ESPN, not talking about Notre Dame-Louisville, but talking about catching mice in our house. So, uh, so Rich, I like that too. People should put on, whenever I'm on TV, just mute me. And then listen to the podcast, and, and that's what I'm actually talking about. And Rich, while you were doing that, I was sitting at home muting Rebecca in real life. <laughs> Yo, you know what? That's probably true. We also have a couple of theories on uh, why St. Pete, St. Petersburg, Florida, is such a big listenership for the Ball and Chain podcast. Well, one of the things that people said is, have you ever been to a game at, in South Florida? We have a, a listener from uh, Orlando who has, and she says, when my husband and I heard you talk about your audience in St. Petersburg, Florida, and you're interested in why St. Pete, our first response was, have you been to a UConn game in St. Pete? There are tons of retirees here in Florida who follow UConn basketball. I assume they're Connecticut transplants. Note, we lived in stores for 17 years before moving to Orlando. The first time we went to a UConn game in the St. Pete area, my husband said he knew we were in the right place because of all the blue and gray. Blue for UConn, gray for the old folks. The one thing we thought curious was that this older generation was savvy enough to listen to the podcasts. 
which I love. So we'll see once the summer comes, because somebody else also said, you know, maybe the demographics or the, the cities will change when the summer comes. If any of those people are snowbirds, will we lose some of our listenership in St. Pete and gain it back here in Connecticut? And we'll just have to wait and see. Until then, please rise, remove your toupees, place them over your heart and give it up for... Get ready for the hand clap. And uh, we have to thank producer Denny Gallagher. We haven't done that regularly enough. Yes, Denny with one N. Thank you. Now get ready for the hand clap. Tom, Dick, and Harry, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fat. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane